afternoon, good morning, good evening, good whatever it might be to you right now, as we welcome you to iDeveloper Live, episode number 42. And with me today on Skype as ever is Mr. John Fox. How are you, John? Hello, Scotty. I'm glad you didn't say good riddance. I was just like waiting for that to come out, but it didn't. So that means you must still love me. So I'm very happy. I, I love you more than you could possibly imagine, John. Oh, wow. But here to break up the love fest. (laughs) (laughs) Back um, after only a few weeks, actually. It's not been too long, has it, Mr. Rich Warren? No. Hello, hello. Now, just in case there are some traitors out there who didn't listen to the last show, uh, just remind us who you are, Rich. Okay, so um, I'm primarily an iOS developer at this point. I do that full-time, and I just finished writing a book um, called Creating iOS Apps, uh, Development Design for Peach Pit Press. And um, also, uh, as of new from the last time we've talked, I've started teaching classes on iOS development as well. So I just got back from New York and have brought some uh, sort of bug that I apparently caught in the subway back with me. So. Oh, so you're ill. I'm ill. I've got man flu. I mean, so I'm going to be lucky if yes. I make it. I'm lucky if I'm going to make it through to the end of the show because we you know <laughs> everyone knows that how uh, serious a disease that is. John, how's your health? I'm fine. That's why I'm, I'm staying far away from you two miserable, sick monsters. Oh, that's right. I'm, I'm, I am taking plenty of medication in the form of cake and chocolate. So the well-known cure for man flu. So everything should be right. And we also want to welcome the uh, the chat room. Because, you know, this show wouldn't be the same without the chat room because there would be nothing to distract us and make us unfocused if we didn't have a chat room. So welcome, chat room. There's a, a good few in here today. There's a few new people in there as well. So welcome, first timers, your uh, chat room virginity being broken out there. And um, hopefully we'll have a, a decent show for you today. Right. Um, there's only one place to start, isn't there? Mountain Lion. Mountain Goat. I, did, did, I didn't even see that coming from a mile away. Did, did either of you? No, not at all. No, I was quite surprised. So there we are. As forward-watching members of the community were taken by surprise and slapped around the back of the head by a, okay. <laughs> a new developer release. So, yes. Okay, so um, let's first of all, um, have you downloaded it? Have you played with it? What's your first thoughts? I tried, but it, it, I've now just realized that the message it was saying, you know, could not install on this machine just basically was a polite way of saying, dude, you have such an ancient machine and you call yourself a developer. What's the matter with you? And it should have just opened up the Apple store so he gets something a little bit more modern. But uh, apparently you have to have a, a, a more recent machine than my little, you know, MacBook Pro non-unibody, you know, Core 2 Duo from now, as it would have me believe, from 1737. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were just discussing this before yeah. the show, and according to um, TUAW, uh, you need an iMac from 2007 onwards, um, the aluminium or aluminum, for the uh, benefit of our American listeners, uh, MacBook, um, the 13-inch there, the 2008 onwards would work, the black plastic Mac, no, the, the plastic MacBook was early 2009 or newer, um, the MacBook Pros, 2009, unless you're running a 17-inch um, which is late 2007, would apparently work. MacBook Airs, 2008, so I think that's all the MacBook Airs, isn't it? Mac Mini from early 2009, Mac Pros early 2008 onwards, and the X-Serves early 2009 onwards, if you really want to run Mountain Lion on an X-Serve. So, I mean, this is Apple um, sort of doing something new, but doing something the same as well, that they're not really worried whether they put your machine out of date and out of action that's, you know... A lot of people say sort of three or four-year-olds, they shouldn't be doing that. But um, that seems they're quite happy to. Right. And I'm kind of in the same situation where not only is it my only 
my production machine, so I didn't want to touch it. But I wasn't sure if it would uh, if it would run. And it sounds like from that list, I've got a, a 2008 Unibody MacBook Pro, so it sounds like I just missed the the deadline on this one too. So, I mean. I downloaded it and I've installed it. And obviously, we have to be careful. We can't talk about lots of stuff about it because we're going to talk about mm-hmm. what's public because it's all under NDA as normal. Um, but to me, this was one of my justifications for virtualization. I just did um, file new virtual machine in VMware. I dragged the downloaded um, uh, file onto the window and it went away and installed it. And I had a mountain lion machine up and running in about 45 minutes and it didn't affect anything else I was doing in the slightest. Mm. You're supposed to say, well done, Scotty, for being so organized and sensible, and you're a hero at that point. <laughs> Scotty, thank you for being our, our VM Sherpa. Yes. Now, we were having a discussion um, before the show to which we don't know the answer, and maybe there's someone expert in the chat room, or someone can email in later. Um, if you used virtualization, could you actually run it on an older machine? Because the machine, does it virtualize as the machine it is, or does it virtualize as some mythical machine that may be in spec so i don't know if anybody knows the um uh, the answer to that if anyone in the chat room does we'd we'd love to know that or if anybody out there has a sort of you know a, a really old machine and they're running uh virtualization parallels or vmware on it and they want to try it and let us know that'd be great right okay um People are asking in the chat room, is that vmware fusion 3 um i'm running 4 i don't know what it what um version they started supporting OS 10 in there um, I can't tell you I'm running 4 and it works really well in 4 okay rightio so let's actually talk about the release itself um, John what what struck you first about it anything in particular did you say oh that's really well, cool or was it sort of a bit oh well that's a, yeah, interesting but no no well I'm, I'm very happy that Game Center has come to the Mac because there's some certain clever things on that, um, which would With be nice. OS 10 Live, I, I keep having mixed some feelings of the fundamental about, elements about, of the, about the Mac. I shouldn't say this. I'm kind of just thinking out loud. But you know, I, I keep looking at the number of iOS devices shipping and ha- that have shipped. And I don't know. It's, it, it's for, for a lot of things that I want to do. That I, I, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm less in love with, with Mac OS than I am with iOS. Is that simply? Do you think? Do you think that's simply because, starting from a later point, um, they've been able to do a lot in iOS that we still have to do in a reasonably clunky way in OS ten because it's, it's of not, because of legacy, uh, or or is it just because there's it's the whole platform is simpler? What do you think that is? I think it's the latter. I really think it, it's just it's the interaction model. You know, it, it, it's so cliche and simplistic to say it, but there's nothing like being able to touch your media and touch touch what you're working with. It makes just all the difference in the world. Um, and I think the other thing too is just having something where you, where you have it with you, just because you can. You know, you're bored. You've got a couple of seconds. And I'm continually amazed at the quality of of, of what you can produce. Um, so. And then, you know, when I when I think about it, and, and I am going through this right now, you know, with with all the the, the Mac sandboxing stuff, it, it's it's kind of a nightmare, and it, it, it's it's you know, I, I'm fully prepared just to, to just as we said, you know, two two or three shows ago, to saying, look, you know, I can't do much further development on on Memory Miner for Mac, if it, it not only because it's going to be so hard to get in the App Store, but then in order to 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 get all these new things like like iCloud um, support. 
you have to you have to be fully sandboxed and at that point i'd say okay the 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 given time and given resources where should i where should i allocate things but we'll see you know that's just me talking out loud here i mean you've just mentioned it i mean rich i'll come back to you and come to you in a minute and see what your favorite bits were okay. or bits but i mean please feel free just to chip in on any of these conversations uh, but you said about sandboxing there and um you know, I think one of the, the things that struck out to me was this gatekeeper stuff that's in um, Mountain Lion. Um, for those who haven't looked yet, gatekeeper, um, it controls the apps that you can install onto your machine. So, we're, you know, we've always said, uh, you know, uh, Apple ever going to start controlling the apps you can actually put on your machine? Um, and the answer is sort of yes now. <laughs> um, uh, gatekeeper, you know, they're going to break apps down into to three parts there's just the, the normal apps that we've always had before and there's the app store apps that um uh we sort of know about the sandboxed and, and coming from the app store and then there's um these new apps a new way of doing apps which is to be signed with a developer id which you can get from apple to sort of be a signed app so it's not coming from the mac store but it's signed um and the default that you're allowed to install under mountain lion is an either apps from the mac store mac app store or signed with developer id um, it, it is the default they're going to go for, uh, meaning you have to turn it on to do something special to not do that. But you know, is this just the first stage that by the time we reach, you know, Mountain Penguin or whatever comes next, that um, you know the default will be Mac App Store only, and you have to turn anything else on? Do you think? Well, if I can jump in here, I think um, that, that I don't think we need to worry so much about that, at least not yet, because there are a number of big players like Adobe and Microsoft who make really important. Um, uh, Mac applications, and I don't think they're going to have any intention of putting their applications on the App Store because they don't want to give Apple a thirty percent cut. So I think as long as we have some big players who are going to be, you know, vocal um, holdouts and not want to play in the App Store, that the Apple will pretty much have to uh, keep some sort of ability to sideload. Um, I don't know. I I feel like I should be upset about this, but I really can't um, muster any energy to get upset about it because um, uh, in some ways it seems like a good idea to me to you know keep um, my less technical savvy relatives from downloading things they shouldn't. Um, the only thing is, and I've I've seen conflicting reports, and maybe you guys can answer this: is whether you need to actually pay uh, the hundred dollar a year license in order to sign apps, or whether you can do that with just a free developer account. Um, if we could do it with a free developer account, then I really see no complaint about it, at least as it's being implemented in, in Mountain Lion. Um, if you have to pay, then I can see some some griping about it. I don't know the answer, but I, I, I don't remember reading anything other than you just need a valid Apple ID. Um, I, I've seen two articles. One specifically said you had to pay. One specifically said you didn't have to pay. So <laughs> I'm not sure who has it right there. So. Well, if you read on the, the Mountain Lion um, preview page um, on Apple.com, it says, um, it, right at the bottom of the bit about the developer ID program, it says learn more about the Mac developer program, which takes you through to the $99 sign-up page. Oh. So I don't know what that means. It says just put it in there. Um, but I think, I mean, we've spoken about this quite a lot recently with sandboxing and, and, and all the rest of it and what's going to be allowed on. But I think, you know, it's just, um, I think for the end user, it's probably a good thing. I mean, it causes us as developers maybe to be locked into something, maybe to stuff that's complete pain in the backside for us. But um, as long as people keep developing and Apple don't start controlling the final um, 
sort of price things has to be and all that sort of stuff, although we saw a little bit with iBooks that they're doing that, you know, surely for the end users to have everything safe and signed and certified and whatever is a good thing? I'd say so. And I would also say it's very lovely, this nice warm water I find myself in as a frog. <laughs> Yes. Well, it's it's just weird because as an iOS op, uh, developer, of course, you know I'm used to much more restrictive policies, so it's it's hard to get upset about something that's more lenient than what I'm dealing with. <laughs> well, I know um, uh, a guy who spent he spent a, about a year, um, a local guy here where I live, um, working on a, a Mac version of his app. He's had stuff in the iOS store for a while, um, and you know he's been trying for you know, about a, about a month to get it through uh, app review, and it keeps getting sent back for different reasons, reasons that it's not sent back for with exactly the same functionality or feature or in-app purchase reason within the iOS store until sort of, you know, last week he said, oh, stuff this, I'll deal with these guys later. Um, he went off and he put Sparkle in it and he put a whole payment system in it and he went off and he just released it outside of the App Store and said, I'll come back to them when they can be bothered. So, um, yeah, it, it's... It swings and roundabouts, isn't it? I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I don't really know what I feel... <laughs> Well, and, and I mean, I think there are definite needs for the App Store environment in general to improve still, and I'm, I'm hoping that we're still kind of in early days of that and that Apple will, will help continue to improve the procedure. Because I feel bad whenever I hear a story about, like, uh, developers who release an update oh, and they didn't realize that it was going to crash on, like, you know, one out of every ten uh, devices. And, and then so they push out a, the fix immediately, but it takes, you know, a week, two weeks, sometimes maybe even longer for Apple to approve their their uh, second release and and meanwhile users just can't use the app and uh, that's not a good uh, situation for anybody so um, so then the, the, the bigger question is do you think that they'll ever allow side loading of signed apps on ios i sure hope so i i hope this is a, a feature that's going to come from um the desktop into ios so but who knows okay so that was gatekeeper I think a big part of it, again, was the whole iCloud integration. Um, I haven't really looked into this that much, apart from the first thing you notice when you do install it is it asks you, do you want to create an iCloud account? Have you got an iCloud account? And um, this whole aspect, which I haven't really looked at in the US yet, of you know, iCloud documents are actually you know, part of the final you know, saving. When you do save in any application, you've got a choice of saving it locally or what it deems as locally or as iCloud. Now, that's, that's quite a major shift. Mm-hmm. It is a quite glorious one, and and my only my only concern about this is is, is one that we've talked about a lot. Is you know they set it up so it is this nice environment. So if you within sets of Apple applications or, or conforming third party applications, you don't have to know or care. But where it really falls down is the inability to have a a you know a persistent URL that if you want to give that to somebody, share it for whatever reason, and unless they can till they can do that. It, it, it's kind of a bummer for me. At least. Well, you should be able to, um, from within iCloud, generate a temporary URL that, that can share stuff, but that's, that's it, not that's persistent. It. That's that. Yeah. That's great and wonderful, but it doesn't solve my problem. I don't think. Okay. Yeah. Okay, then I guess a question that's going to be out there next for about at least seven million developers is: Is there still going to be a need for decent Twitter clients now? Everything's integrated. <laughs> 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 um, I, I don't think. Um, uh, I haven't again played with this that much, but the whole thing of Twitter integration uh, has been taken a step further than it has been in um, uh, iOS so far. That um, 
you know, through messages and, and I mean, messages basically is Apple have finally adopted growl, isn't it really? Um, mm. But you know, if you get a tweet, if you've registered your account in the uh, setups for um, uh, OS 10, which is now just called OS 10, not Mac OS 10, interestingly enough, um, that uh, you know, if a direct message comes into you or you're mentioned in a tweet, it comes up in a notification just in the OS. Um, so for getting your own messages and that sort of stuff, I mean, it doesn't come with a Twitter client, so I'm aware, but this whole integration with a social network is quite interesting. I don't think that changes the, if you are big into Twitter. That you would, I don't think it changes your interest in having a, a power users client. I don't think they're doing that. They're just saying we, we should be able to share anything anytime, and it should be considered as natural a services as I don't know Google. In some ways, it makes it uh, easier yeah. if you're a Twitter client developer because you should be able to interface the system settings for Twitter and not have to worry about all the OAuth stuff and everything. So there we are. Notifications. Oh, sorry. Did you want to say anything about that, Rich? Or Oh no! Um, I mean, I've I've loved the the Twitter integration on the iOS side. It's made it so easy to add uh, a feature where you could just have people tweet stuff out quickly from your within your app, um, and that's often a great uh, user feature. And it's going to be nice to see that sort of um, probably integration coming to applications on the desktop as well. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what people do with it. And it sounds like I haven't really dug into the details, but it sounds like the desktop version is even more powerful. So I'm wondering if this is a preview of what we're going to see for iOS 6. Yeah, well, basically, I think what the, diff- the main difference I can see is it's the, it's the direct messages and the um, uh, mentions are built into basically the notification center. Um, talking of which, which notification centre has come to the Mac? Um, that's about time. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, are you a growl, were you growl, a growl user, John, or, or, or Rich? Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. I, yeah, yeah. Big growl user. So, time to start sending money to the guy. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, the days are over. The days are over. So notification center. Um, it looks quite smart. Um, just looking at the little videos that they, they've put out. So we are talking about public stuff here. Um, and again, I think you're uh, you're right, Rich. This is giving us pointers to iOS six, um, which we're likely to see this year as well, um, right. based on what we read. All right, um, I'm just reading through share sheets. That's boom with Twitter, the whole Twitter integration. Game Center, that's going to change things. Airplay mirroring, that's quite good. Um, you can just uh, go through Apple TV, so the seven people with an Apple TV can now do that. Um, <laughs> and some Tim corn- Cook has an Apple TV and he loves it. And he, he told all those analysts to buy it, so I bet they've sold another kind of 50 in there. And, and then tucked right down at the bottom is all new features for China. Yeah. Um, yep. Which I have no idea if they're important or not because I know nothing about China. So, um, uh, just overall, then um, impressions. Um, uh, yeah, this isn't. They've named it Mountain Lion, um, which is quite clever because we had Leopard and Snow Leopard. Um, is this a fundamental change as Snow Leopard was to Leopard, or yeah, is this a good or good or bad upgrade? What's your first impression, Rich? You know, it's uh, without actually digging into it, it's hard to tell because um, I haven't seen the kind of the secret stuff that's under the surface. Um, and the thing about Snow Leopard is that most of the really important changes were developer side changes, not user side changes. So I'm not sure what Mount um, Mine's going to bring for us as developers. Um, but I suspect from the naming convention that it's going to be a Snow Leopard ish uh, release. 
However, my, the most thing I'm most interested about this is just the way they released it. The way they they, they didn't have an event. They just kind of you know it it's, it's it wasn't there, and then suddenly it was there. Um, it makes me wonder what they're saving their big you know announcements for. If they're you know it seems like they're keeping their powder dry for something even bigger than Mountain Lions <coughs> TV. Um, <coughs> <Sorry>. <coughs> Oh, but it's, Most likely, it's but. not just that. Did you read the Daring Fubble, John Gruber article on the release that, you know, he got a keynote, uh, but it, right, it yeah. was one-to-one so, with Phil Schiller, and as did a number of other journalists um, about a week in advance. And, and whatever else. I mean, that's, uh, uh, if they've been doing that before, that's never been public before that they've done that. Right. So it just seems... It, it, Apple's doing some stuff in a different way now. Maybe I don't know. It's it's that that's the part that has me the most you know curious and intrigued. It's just the the whole the way they've gone about it for this release. It, it, it really is interesting to me. So and what about this? Even more of, than any of the features. So. And what about this sort of semi announcement? I mean, it's sort of inferred maybe more than actually said that OS X is going on to an annual upgrade cycle just like iOS is. But we've never officially known that iOS is on an annual upgrade cycle. We've just sort of hoped, and yet it's coming from Phil Schoen's mouth that we want to put OS X on an annual upgrade cycle like iOS is. Yeah, that's... Um, I'm not, I'm, personally, I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing to release things based on dates rather than this is a good idea and we can get it ready by now. Isn't it that they're just saying that rather than trying to that they, uh, it's a sign of maturity? I think that that they have such a good base. They've they've gone through and, and worked out the kinks of how do you share code and resources between kind of two different major teams, iOS and Mac or iOS and OS teams. And I, I think that they they realize that they can get enough interesting new stuff at that period. They don't really have to make huge breakthroughs for the foreseeable future. That's, I think that's is- how I read it. Sorry, I think this is also um, to kind of make people who are nervous about the future of the Mac maybe a little bit less nervous. If they feel like there is a plan for regular once a year updates coming out, that then all the rumors about you know maybe the Mac's going away and, and you know does Apple really care about the Mac? Uh, this is this is kind of a way to show commitment uh, towards the Mac platform. That's true. Now, of course, as developers, Xcode four point three hit the scene as well this week. If you had a chance to download that and play with that, John, did your ancient machine take um, take that one on board? Well, I was going to just try it on on, on Mountain Lion, but and since I got uh, distracted by that not working, I didn't go and download the four. <laughs> I was see Mountain Lion. Mountain Lion gets that's good. Four point four. Yeah. Ah, right. Yeah. Uh, so the answer is no, I haven't, and, and I don't know. I, I probably ought to. I hope it's better. I've, I've heard some reports. I, I, I'm I, I'm embarrassed to admit that that. Uh, I've only been using Lion full time for the last, I don't know, five, six weeks. And, and I guess it, it's pretty clearly the fact that my machine doesn't have eight gig of RAM and, and half a terabyte of SSD because I find it very slow and painful. Yeah. Um, so all I needed to see was when I went through the, the changes, they mentioned that there were bug fixes and it was supposed to be more stable. And I downloaded it pretty much instantly. Um, I haven't really had a chance to use it heavily since then because I, um, but it, from what little bit I have, it does seem to be working fine. I mean, there's, there's almost no feature upgrades in it. Um, I, I forget they listed a few, but it wasn't anything terribly important. There's, so. I mean, Martin Pilkington has done one of his uh, excellent reviews on, on it and I'll put a link to that in the show notes uh, what struck me is after the download um, it's not an installer anymore it's uh, mm-hmm. now the app so that means we should be getting um, small incremental 
updates instead of an installer going forward. But it was that when you first run it, you get that um, Xcode is now is something like Xcode is now going to live in your application directory and slash developer is no longer needed. Would you like me to develop, delete it? And it goes in and it deletes your slash developer directory uh, folder off of your root drive and um, now slaps oh. Xcode and the other tools into applications. Um, that was I took the leap of faith and said yes just to see what it did. And it did what it said it would do. It deleted all the developer directory. <laughs> Right. I, I did the same thing. I figured uh, I got this backed up. It's, it, you know, worst goes to worst. I'll just restore everything for backup. And uh, it was fine. I was I was worried that it was going to go, you know, commando and do something I didn't want it to do. But but does that mean you can no longer use Xcode 3 or I, I haven't had Xcode 3 on this machine for a long time. So I don't know. No, you can keep the developer directory and keep old stuff in there if you want. Um, but the it's it's just changed the structure of where it keeps things and the tool set and, and some of the tools that used to ship don't ship anymore. Um, so it's uh, there we are. Um, I think garbage collection is officially dead now as well, isn't it? I think is that official? Should I have said that? I don't know. Um, the uh, the converter arc converter supports converting garbage collected code as well as standard um, maintain release code now as well. Well, it just deletes your, your source tree saying, notice you have garbage collected code. Would you like me to delete it for you? Yeah, would you like to delete, delete this project doing the stuff that we never really fully um, got behind and uh, would take it from there? Right, okay, so um, that's, uh, and I haven't had a chance to play with Xcode 4.4, and um, even if I did, we couldn't talk about it yet anyway. So um, I'm just going to go out into the chat room. Um, and just see what's there. Xcode still crashing from time to time is uh, one of the results out. I know that uh, speaking with Simon Wolf um, earlier today, who's not online today, so there's no point in giving him a roar, but uh, we miss you, Simon. We miss you. Um, he was saying it's been crashing. Xcode 4.3 has been crashing a little bit for him today, but I think, don't we all just get used to the fact that Xcode 4 crashes? Well, that's why I have a growl notification set up for it. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. Right, okay, well, we've been talking about Xcode. We might as well move on to our um, our feature segment. This is where I'm supposed to by now have some feature segment music. Um, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's the feature segment. Segment, segment, segment. Oh, who needs garage band or garage band, as you would say? Okay, um, Rich, what are we talking about? Uh, today I wanted to talk about storyboards. Um, I know the subject came up, I guess, a while ago uh, with you guys, and, and um, it's something that I've been. It's one of the new technologies that I've been pushing um, new developers to start using and, and to use uh, by default um, when they're developing applications on iOS. So um, I'm very pro storyboard, and I uh, thought I'd come in and give my opinion on them. Okay, well that's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what you've got to say because I've never played with storyboards. Um, yeah, I've been a software developer now for about, let's see, this is my 25th year. Um, and I know it was all green screen, and I wasn't quite in the punched card era, but it was not like green screen connected terminals <laughs> when I started. Um, yeah, and so I, the, the technology wasn't necessarily there. But yeah, when I sat down at WWDC and saw storyboards for the first time, yeah, it was a case of, yeah, now every tool I've ever seen in my life that does this sort of thing. You know, it says, look, now you just point and click and drag this together. That has been great for Hello World. That has been great for the WWDC demo. But the moment you get out there into your 200 screen, you know, application in, in, in whatever else, the whole thing just it doesn't necessarily work and it stops me from doing 
um, what I really wanted to do. Um, and so I've not really even touched them. Now, there's a, a, a friend I have here who's learning to um, develop for the iPhone at the moment, partly using your book as one of his resources. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, he's gone all storyboard for the moment because that's what it's teaching him to do in, in whatever else. Um, and he was sort of showing me stuff. And I thought, oh, actually, looks quite cool. So um, I'm here, well, open-minded, ready to be convinced. <laughs> well, okay. So I think, uh, first off, just, just to get this out of the way, I don't think there's any benefit to taking an existing application and converting it to storyboards. I think that's, that's just crazy. Um, the whole point about storyboards is it's going to be allow us to kind of set up the application quickly, right? And uh, one of the major, uh, well, um, so... I really like that's what the kind of the role I set for is, you know, lay out the basic framework and then I can add other views and other um, uh, scenes as nibs if I need to. So I can actually break out and I can combine storyboards with the nibs. It's a it's a little bit hard because you have to uh, programmatically load those controller nib pairs um, from within your code. You can't just, you know, link them within the storyboard, but uh, it's still it's. It's very effective to get your, your, your basic functionality uh, so you can see the workflow quickly and then you can start building on it. Um, the other thing that I really love about it is when you get to start using table views because the, the dynamic prototypes and the static table views um, seem to only be available within storyboards. If you're not using storyboard, I, at least when I was checking, I didn't see any, any way to access those, those features without using storyboard. Um, and so that allows you to, you know, um, within the storyboard, if it's a dynamic table, you can lay out how the cell looks within the storyboard itself. Um, for a static table, you can actually lay out, you know, all of the rows. How many? It, it has to be a, a completely static view. So the the number of rows and the and the uh, the things that you put in the rows are fixed. Um, but that's great for creating like a, a form that's going to be displayed, especially if you want to have that. The, the grouped table view look where everything's in the bubbles. Um, if you want to make a, a form with that look uh, using the static uh, table view, uh, prototypes is great. Um, so, so when you say you can mix the stuff and it's, you know, it's a bit inconvenient, yeah. you have to load stuff, you have to go back for a regular nib, controller, pair type of stuff, uh, I mean, which most of us yeah. are used to having to do anyway. Um, right. So is it a case of actually it's inconvenient just because you have to now write that code or it's inconvenient because you have to try and wrestle that code in somewhere? No, it's just thinking because you have to know about that code. If you're if you're comfortable, you know, um, creating a controller nib pair and you know allocating the controller to get and and then calling whatever method you're using to put the the uh, the the, the, the that view controller into your view controller hierarchy. Um, if you're already comfortable with that, then it's nothing new. Um, it's just it's if if especially teaching somebody. Um, new, if, if you're teaching them just storyboards, um, then this is an extra step that you have to teach them. And it's not like, for, for example, if you're using nibs and you're using the table view controller, uh, there's that nice feature where you can either, uh, or not table view, the uh, tab view controller. You could actually lay out the tab views within the one nib, or you can, within the nib, say, oh, well, this view controller is defined in, in this nib, and it will automatically route you from one to the other. Um, without you having to do any code. Um, and that you, you really can't do from within, you can't go from within storyboard to outside storyboard that way. Um, and I hope that's a feature they'll add in the future because it'd make um, being able to break out 
parts of our design to keep our storyboards from getting too complex much easier. Um, but uh, for right now, it's, it's not too bad. I, I, I've used it not for a massive 200 uh, screen application, but I've used it for some moderate-sized applications, and it's held up pretty well. Um, I will say there, there are some weaknesses. Um, if you're dealing with an older machine, like several of us are, uh, I discovered that it would start running really, really slowly. Um, and usually if you restarted the machine, everything would be fine. But if I had left my machine running for a couple of days, um, it would get almost unusable. I don't have to restart. Uh, um, I, I will say that like, I've got a 2008, late 2008 Unibody Mac, and I replaced the hard drive with a solid state hard drive. And that problem has completely gone away. The, the um, storyboards now, even the larger storyboards just, just fly. Um, so uh, it, if you have a powerful enough machine, that's not a, not an issue. Um, and if you have a small screen, because I have a 15 inch screen, um, and you're dealing with you know an iPad storyboard, um, an iPad interface almost doesn't fit on the screen to begin with, so it, it can get hard to deal with that. And uh, that is more frustrating when things are slow than when things are fast. I've discovered that that problem's largely gone away now that I've sped up my machine. But uh, again, that can be a frustration where you, you want to have all this information on your screen in a nice visual way if you just don't have the screen real estate. Um, and uh, like it, one of the other things is, like I said, you can't, um, you'll have basically each view controller what they in the storyboard terms they call it kind of a scene so you have a, a it's basically the content of the screen at any one point in time and you usually have a view controller managing that single scene um you cannot draw any connections from one scene to the other you can only draw connections from the view controller to its own scene um so there's actually some things that we could connect in uh nibs that we cannot connect in storyboards um so for example i used to do a lot of I would put uh, my model as a top-level object into you know, whatever the root view uh, nib was, for example, a, a tab view nib. And then I would connect it from there to, the, um, to all of the uh, view controllers that needed it, in the, it for the different tab views. Um, and that basically allowed me to, then when I would, in the individual nibs for those views, I would have access to that data. Um, it, but uh, you can't do that anymore. You can only draw within the one uh, one scene, so it's a little more limited. So wait, there's no concept of first responder. There's no application level thing or delegate or anything like that. You can you have a first responder, but as far as I, I've been able to tell, you can't. And you can make top level objects, um, but as far as I can tell, you cannot uh, connect from one scene to another scene. So it's basically. Um, in the background, each scene is going to be boiled down to its own nib, but actually I think it's going to be boiled down to multiple nibs. Um, when I, I dug through the application uh, uh, package that was built once, and there was, there was quite a few nibs in there. Um, and you basically can't cross the boundary between one and the other. So I can, I can, add, I can add a top-level object to... I think I can now. There was a bug or earlier version where you couldn't even add top-level objects, but they, Apple assured me that that was a bug and they were working on it. So I think you can do it now. You can add a top-level object in a scene. I can draw connections between that object and my uh, view controller or my first responder or whatever in that scene, but I can't um, if I have a, an incoming scene that is, you know, because part of the, like a table view, a tab view controller where one of the tabs, the view that that goes with that tab. I can't draw from that top level to the to the new scene. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
it's not a huge so they're really pushing you to there's when you develop with it um it you, there's a one method prepare for segue it's got some other words at the end um i think from sender um but that you use to initialize whatever the destination view is that's going to appear. And uh, so if you have a lot of segues coming out of one scene, um, that method can get kind of crowded. <laughs> it can get, get a little bit messy. Although um, there's a, uh, oftentimes you can, you can get away with simplifying things because you know, there's a, a certain set of data that you're going to be sending out of this scene and each of the, um, each of the destination view controllers wants a subset of that. So you could just use the, you know, uh, the call to see if it performs the selector to, for a, the appropriate setter and then, you know, send the data over for, for each bit of data that you want to send. And then it will automatically send the correct um, subset of data over to this new scene, depending on what, what accessors you set on the new scene. And so you don't necessarily have to write, you know, a complete block of code for each incoming scene. Um, so it, it, but it can get kind of messy. So that's the overview. So, so, any questions? Yeah, before we go there, I mean, I failed to find a single person in the chat room who's using storyboards. Um, <laughs> there are a number of people who don't use nib files. There's a number either. of people who don't use nibs as well, and that's not that uncommon on the iOS side. Um, partly through a lot of people learned before you could use nib files and decided that was a better way to do it. Um, so, you know, why is that? What is, 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 does everyone think the same way as me that this is not really very good and, and it's, you know, it's too simple, but we've never used it to be proved wrong? Is it we just don't want to learn a new way? Is it actually we're right just for a change? <laughs> you know, what do you think? Why, why do you think people who are existing developers have failed to take up storyboards as a way forward? Well, I think that still today a lot of people get taught um, doing it the hard way first, where you're taught how to build everything in code, and you, you um, especially if you come from a Java background, you're probably accustomed to building everything in code. Um, I had a, a friend of mine um, who was a really good Java developer, and he wanted to, to start doing iOS stuff, so I was helping him out, and he said, you know, so what is, what's the deal with this interface builder thing? Is that a real tool, or is that just for beginners? And uh, it took me some time to convince him that, no, no, you can actually do real, you know, uh, production level code with interface builder you don't go for it um, um, so I think that, that there is this uh, perception that you know it's not it's it, it, it's more of a toy than, than an actual real tool and I think that's a bit of a shame because it, it can be it can really uh, in my projects it has really significantly cut down on development time for the, the initial startup of getting projects up and running and on their feet um, so I, I really have, I haven't run into any major problems except for, like I said, when I had to shut down my machine every couple of days to, to make sure things didn't slow down too much. Uh, but I don't know. That's not unreasonable, I guess. Uh, but, okay, so for someone like me who has never used storyboards, but I'm a reasonably experienced developer, and I'm about to start a new small to medium-sized project, and I know that is, you know, what is a small to medium-sized project? It, it depends on what you've been working on before, I guess. Um, it, would it be, in your opinion, would it be worth me spending, would I recover the time I spent trying to learn what storyboards were uh, in 
during that pro- you know, by during that project saving on the code and everything I had to write is it worth him is it worth me taking that investment or is this something that will be a longer investment that will pay off over a longer time mm, um, that's hard to answer I think that that storyboards by themselves are fairly simple um, I mean there's not a lot there to learn so um, it shouldn't be a huge investment although um, just the way you pass data back and forth between the the source and the destination views is a little bit different than anything else. So that would be the one thing that you'd probably have to learn um, and have to adapt your code design. So I guess that would be the the the, the key thing. If if uh, you usually use the prepare for segue method to pass things to the incoming view, and then you define a delegate and whatever delegate methods you want to pass things back uh, to the original source view um, and if that sort of design isn't going to fit well into what you're de- you have in mind for your design for your app then uh, maybe you want to avoid storyboards if if the design for your app would work fine with that um, then I would say go for it and give them a try because they're not they're very simple to use um, we're getting some conversation going on in the chat room that's suggesting that on many other platforms obviously the GUI developers are actually code generators and the code that is generated is so poor that people have sort of learned to avoid them. But I think we're not talking about a code generator here, are we? No, no. Because um, everything gets basically saved. So you're, you're basically, um, uh, it, it, it's basically saving the state of all of the objects that you lay out in the interface and um, that you just load it from file. So uh, it's, it's very different than a code generator. Um, and I would agree with that. I, I've avoided um, my experience has been with Java, and I've tried using GUI developers in Java, and, and I've absolutely hated them because I, I did not like the code that they produced. So, okay, another question from the chat room: um, Is there any compelling reason for a developer who only uses code, in other words, not IB, to use storyboards over code only? Well, I, I mean, the, the compelling reason I think would be just uh, speed. I mean, I'm pretty confident that I could lay out a, uh, a basic app. And here, the, the other, I guess, issue we have is um, how unusual is your app going to be and how um, kind of are, are you using a lot of the standard interface elements like table views, um, uh, 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 navigation controllers, um, tab views. Um, if you're already using a lot of those for your navigation needs, and even... Um, uh, modal views. If you're already using those heavily for your navigation needs, um, then I would say, you know, I can lay everything out in a storyboard in a matter of minutes, and it's going to take me a lot longer. Or even a really good coder who's used to doing it in code, it's going to take them a lot longer to lay everything out, um, just in the sheer amount of time it takes for typing. Um, so, for me, the that's not the interesting part. I'm not interested in, um, you know designing my user interface and code. I want to get through that as fast as possible and get to the, the interesting parts, dealing with real user problems, um, you know, honing the user interface so that it's, it's, I can improve the usability, make it look nicer. Um, but, you know, setting up the basic, the boilerplate connections between different scenes is, is, is not interesting to me. So I'm more than willing to let Xcode do that for me in storyboards. Have you have have you looked at the new kind of get started developing iOS apps today thing on on Apple site? 
No, I haven't. Um, but I, I think it, it's kind yeah. of interesting because it, 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 to my mind, answers why storyboards. Because I think they're really pushing on to get, let's say, people who traditionally weren't software developers into into the fold. Because I, I still think that they realize that they have to make a long term investment to keeping developers happy. And, and Apple's always said that you you know you you can't say I'm going to do all my coding and then bring the design aspect of, of the app you know, at the last moment to add my little layers of polish. And so if that's the case and you are going to have designers, interaction designers, graphic designers, however you want to talk about them, integrated into the process from day one at an equal footing to people who are writing code, then you have to give tools that will work with them and, and you should give tools that, that the developer can then work with some output for for it, for it and, and not completely lose time by saying, okay, great, thanks for giving me what what you know is a glorified Photoshop file. Right. And I mean, even if you are going to get a glorified Photoshop file, I think there's a benefit in getting um, a rough sketches of the user interface to your developer um, quickly. So if, you know, as long as they have an iPhone or iPad, and you can send them a, um, an ad hoc build, um, they can look at you know like what I'm the way I'm thinking of organizing the, the project, and um, uh, they can make comments. And, and criticisms and changes even before all of these views are really flushed out where I just have the basic functionality where, you know, uh, I've got a mock table that you click on and it opens up another view um, and I haven't really hooked the data in and, and display yet, but just they can look at the flow and, and give you feedback right away. Um, so from my experience working with some develop, uh, designers, that's been really useful to get that feedback early on. So I'll actually do the do the layout of the, the rough layout of the scenes first and get to bring them into the project. And then I'll start working on, you know, all the backend stuff. Oh, that's quite an interesting. Yeah. The angle you've just come from, John, is not one I thought of. That's, um, you know, are Apple genuinely moving towards developing a full life cycle tool set? Well, the other thing just occurred to me is that, you know, that, that they may also be finding themselves with, with their newfound success that a lot of kind of corporate enterprise, whatever internal applications may be being developed for this. And this also makes people who are used to what, you know, I'm going to date myself, but I mean, apps, old apps like, you know, Delphi or visual, you know, all the, 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 the visual basic tools, the, those types of things. I mean, how many, how many companies have departments and departments full of, of quote unquote custom apps built with those types of tools. And I think the other thing too is, is, you know, th- where's all their growth? Their growth is coming from, from, you know, the developing world, so to speak, and I think that they they, they want to be able to to say that that developing software is no longer this black magic thing that that you know somebody else does and you consume the the product. I think that that I, I do very much believe that that software development is is a, is a, a, a literacy and that you know for kids who are going up in high school now, I'd be surprised that, you know, to, to think that, that, that the majority of them aren't learning something that are our basics of software development and that, that the, these are tools for a new generation. So, so maybe the example is here, um, like photography has changed over the last 20 years from being something done by professionals and very keen amateurs prepared to, you know, learn a bunch of stuff to actually now, you know, anyone can go out and spend, you know, Seven hundred, eight hundred dollars on a, an absolutely fantastically amazing camera, and you know, still have to learn some stuff, but do stuff really easily and quickly. Um, and maybe that's where development's going. So 
so we're all going to be out of a job in another couple of years. Make sure that you invest what little money that you make as an app developer into Apple stock. I think, John, uh, mine, I think in, mine in your age, we've got a few years left and we can retire. Yeah. I, I think there's always going to be need for really good developers. I mean, um, I, I do think that this um, kind of flattens the learning curve a little bit. So that, um, because especially people coming into the platform, there's, there's a lot to learn. You, know, you have to learn Objective-C, and that means you also have to learn the entire either Cocoa or Cocoa Touch you know, frameworks, all those frameworks. And um, uh, if you can kind of automate some of that so that, that, that the, the basic, you know, setting up your, your skeleton uh, of the app through storyboards. That's one last thing that somebody has to learn when they're first getting started. And yeah. You're not a good developer help. just because you can write controller loading, controller and nib loading code, are you? I mean, yeah, that doesn't make you the developer. So taking that out doesn't really change no. a lot. It's like this whole thing over um, Arc or garbage collection. You're not a real developer anymore. You know, memory management... It, it's not what makes the app good. It makes maybe, yeah. But if it can be done, let someone else do it. Right, right, exactly. That's, that's, that's I take a very pragmatic approach on these things. Whereas you know, if it's um, you know, some of these things are important, and we we could talk about Arc some other time. But um, you know, if it's a perfect example. It's, it's really important to get that right, but it's not something that is particularly interesting. It can be very, very tedious. <laughs> and, and there's other parts of the project that I would really rather spend my time on. Um, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't understand how the memory management works, but, but it's okay to let something else automate it for us and let us focus on more important things. Okay, well, as long been, as it's doing it properly. So. That, that's been quite interesting. Is there anything else we really need to know about storyboards before we wrap this up? I don't think so. I think they're fairly simple. Um, I would encourage people to give them a try. And uh, Oh, the one other thing, and this is a bit odd, is that um, it's only for iOS 5. And so if you have any intent of supporting um, uh, previous apps at all, you will not be able to use storyboards. Um, and so that may be a real reason why somebody might turn away from storyboards. I, I'm kind of of the opinion that if somebody hasn't bothered to do a free update of their iOS, that they're not going to buy my app. So I, I'm perfectly fine developing iOS 5-only apps, especially for new projects starting out. But um, unlike a lot of features where you can you know, conditionally add it in, uh, this you can't. It's, it's, it, if you do storyboards, it's going to be iOS 5. Okay, is that because it's integrating into the runtime to do all the magical stuff? Yeah. Okay, right. Well, thank you very much, Rich, for that. That's um, good. Um, John, I'm making a guess that you're not using storyboards. <laughs> because no. you haven't done yet. Uh, uh, just uh, how is the iOS side of your life going, John? Because you, you were saying right at the beginning of the show that how you're falling in love with it, and, and yet memory miner is, is the Mac. Um, are you spending more and more time on the iOS stuff these days? I am. I am. So, um, And I'm, I'm also spending more time on, on the web service back-end part of it. You see what Mostly I'm doing here is... Mostly to kind of do things that I, I wish iCloud would have allowed me to do, but I've, I've given up hope that I'd be able to do those things, so... Um, it's not a PPL. But the, the other thing too is, is 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 in you know for my consulting work, it's all iOS stuff. There's this little smattering of, of macOS stuff, but we're constantly building small applications that are either for internal use or demonstration apps for for an SDK. And we've just been working on a project where 
I, I actually, in thinking back on it, it probably would have been a better idea to have used storyboards for that for to to be able to get to some agreement over over what the navigation paradigm would be and what it would look like. And because I, I love I love sketching and I love building what I call working wireframes, where I you know the, the application does work, it does load data, it does represent the data. I kind of refer to it as printing data to the screen, and, and, and forcibly you keep things very kind of blocky looking so that people don't get attached to a specific graphic design look and feel and so that we don't even talk about it we're just talking about how do you what happens when the app first started what are the possible choices you have if you click here where do you go and for, for maybe it's specific to this client but it, it is synchronized time-based metadata so it really is important to be able to get an idea about what the, what the feel of the application is and in this particular case you know, even I personally love nib files. I love them just because f- from next days. I mean, I, I never had this trauma of of working with with bad UI applications that that then generate bad stub code. So I, I've always you know bought into that. But in this particular case, even with all the the you know the the time saving you get with 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 creating nice view controllers and 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 loading them up, I still can see how storyboard would have been in fact easier and faster. And I can even see how some of the people who otherwise would have been working in Photoshop would have no problem using storyboard app and and and, and I mean you know the, the the using storyboards. And I'm I wouldn't be all that surprised to see almost an Adobe style application that's targeting designers saying that if you would have been doing this in Photoshop and laying out these things, you'd have no problem working in this realm because you want to just think about how, how the, 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 the user interface flow is. And that's all you want to focus on and, and kind of separating it from the, the, the behemoth Xcode application, which mm-hmm. I think is, is too kind of um, scary for most people, most non-developers, I would say. Hmm. Well, we look forward to hearing the uh, um, how your iOS five uh, Moneywell stuff uh, or iOS Moneywell stuff un- unwraps as well. Um, that, that wireframing thing, I think, is yeah. I think it, it's maybe storyboards. I'm waffling. I'm going to shut up. Okay, right. We're going to wrap the show up now. Um, man flu is is setting in even more. Um, Rich, because you were referring to my product as Moneywell, unless that you were trying to taunt, and you can't use that taunt anymore because they've been shipping. I know. I'm trying to find something I can really sort of say, you know, why isn't it shipping yet? And there's nothing there. Um, you know, that's, you know, I need to be able to know the person who it is so they, they know that I'm being very serious. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Rich, it's been great to have you back on. Um, just oh, remind, remind us where people can follow you on Twitter, your blog, or anything else you want them to know about. Right. So uh, Twitter, it's uh, Ricky Warren. Um, and my blog is... Uh, freelancemadscience.com and I'm also on Google Plus at Rich Warren um, and I'd also like to and this is not just for me but for you know authors everywhere um, I've been getting a lot of really great uh, personal feedback people contacting me about the book and saying they love it um, and if you have a book that you love that, that somebody has written uh, please go out and go to Amazon and write a review or give them you know a high star uh, rating because it really makes a difference um, and so for, you know, we kind of just passed Valentine's Day. It's a good time to go out and give people a little bit of love. So how many people do you think got your book as a Valentine's Day present? Uh, hopefully not many, because I'm not sure that would be... Uh, the, 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 well, the follow-on question is how many divorces resulted? Yeah. yeah. Well, we had uh, dinner with a couple... I guess for the, Sorry, carry on, Rich. For the right couple, that might be good, but I... <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, well, I, I went to dinner with a, a couple who, where the husband bought his wife a mop. Um, <laughs> um, so I think your book would have been a step up at least for now. Yeah. So maybe, maybe next year. John, remind us who you are and where you're from and all that sort of stuff. Uh, you can find out all about me and Memory Miner at memoryminer.com. I maintain a blog, kind of maintain it, on memoryminer.com slash blog. You can find me on Twitter as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And uh, can I give a quick shout out, which I forgot to do at the beginning, for a pretty cool cappuccino app that I saw called Picture, P-I-Q-T-U-R, um, P-I-Q-T-U-R.com. Have a look at it. It's a pretty interesting little, very simple image processing application. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting in, in how elegant and simple it is on the front end to, to the choice of back-end tools that they used. Maybe we'll be able to get them on as, as a guest, but it's, I thought it's something worth having a look at. That sounds, that sounds uh, uh, definitely worth doing. Um, I'm Scotty. I'm on Twitter. It's um, MacDevNet. Uh, you can follow the iDeveloper TV stuff by following iDeveloper TV. You can check out our video training at iDeveloper.tv. Um, we could really, really, really love, 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 love completely some comments on iTunes. Um, if you could, a few, we've been getting a few in in the last uh, few weeks and we, uh, we do thank you, but just a few more would be very good. Um, yeah, that's it for another week. My head isn't working. My mind isn't going. John, Rich, it's been a pleasure. Chat room, I've been ignoring you for the last five minutes. That's right, you've been ignoring us as well. That's fine, you've been on your own discussions. Ah, that's it, everybody. I've got to find the music, the music that you've just come to love. So until next time, you all just take care. Thank <laughs> you.